We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm your boy, Sean Davis. The Anora Boys are in the building. That dude, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you do so. Responsibly. You got to do it responsibly. Left is somewhere in meetings i don't know if he's being hollywood or if he's being coach leak this week but he's out there on the left coast the weather's fine left it's almost 50 degrees where i am today bro i made it through oh, I told that's you. Not, uh, 60, 60. yeah as long as i'm made it through as long as i make it through the weekend i knew there were good times ahead with the weather up here in the Midwest, dude. And unfortunately, the snow will probably be gone by tomorrow and all melted away. Apple Podcast, Spotify, lock in with us. CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Leave five stars, set up for the automatic downloads. We thank you for making us very successful in our first full month on CFB Nation. Once again, podcast available, right. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spin it spin. different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, this Gator Bowl, bro. We might as well get into it a little bit. Uh, you know, something to talk about. On today's show, we'll break down this matchup between Notre Dame, South Carolina Gamecocks, and then we'll hear from the players, Tariq Bracey. We'll hear from him, Logan Diggs. We'll also hear from the coordinators, Tommy Reese and Al Golden, and get their thoughts on the matchup and some of the young players that have been stepping up and need to step up on Friday. As we said, this is the second time Notre Dame is going to be playing on December 30th, with the last time being a game that Lefty started December 30th, 2014, in the Music City Bowl, when Notre Dame defeated LSU 31-28. Aldrich Estime looking to build upon a great season, double-digit touchdowns. He has 11 right now, looking to extend that, and that will be the most since the single year, most in a single year since 1996, if he adds one to that total. This is the thing. Notre Dame has had a clear advantage in special teams each and every week. They've blocked seven punts. Unfortunately, the number one ranked special teams unit is the South Carolina Gamecocks. They blocked three kicks themselves, and they rank top six in the country in kick returns, punt returns, and net punting left. So the advantage that Notre Dame usually has in special teams, uh, not so much in this matchup against South Carolina. So offense and defense and special teams are collectively going to have to work together to give Notre Dame the best chance to come out with a victory on Friday. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we usually have the upper hand in, but that Beamer ball is definitely uh, something that we're going to be competing with on an even level, and we're going to have to find other ways to win. Absolutely. I do want to say this. I saw this before we started. I got David Littlefield said he's currently driving to Jacksonville for the Gator Bowl. I believe it's like an hour out, David. Man, safe travel on that last stretch in to Jacksonville. Enjoy the weather. Have a great time. Enjoy the game. Safe travel back to your destination at home and go Irish. Thank you for tapping in as you drive. So, look, South Carolina struggles to stop the run. The strength of their defense even with one of their top DBs opting out for the NFL, is definitely the secondary, the defensive backs and the safeties. They love to play man-to-man. They love to play quarters. 
as a quarterback, when you hear that a team loves to go man-to-man and loves to play quarters, what gets you excited about that as a quarterback? A lot of one-on-one opportunities, a lot of chances to be accurate, uh, a lot of opportunities to uh, be able to push the ball downfield where you get a lot of 50-50 balls. The receivers are going to have an opportunity also to win one-on-ones. And I think that's going to be the most exciting thing about this game is that we know that if they're going to give us some man and some potential quarters opportunities, there's going to be shots down the field that are going to be taken but have to be taken to loosen up that front seven that I know is going and uh, pretty heavy in the box looking to stop the run. So with Tyler Buckner, you know, you can stare down receivers a little bit more, you know, go to your guys that uh, you're really close with, like Lorenzo. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for Lorenzo to have a lot of catches and, and a chance for him to win it with one-on-ones because this is where chemistry comes in a lot. When you're going against a team that runs a lot of man, you got to win a lot of man routes. And then when quarters comes, you got to be able to still take the top off of the defense with some post concepts and some wheel concepts. I think Chris Tyree and that coming out of the backfield and being in the slot sometime running some wheels on some of those weak side linebackers, I think give us a great opportunity for some matchup problems. So uh, knowing that as an offensive coordinator as well, uh, you're scheming up a lot of concepts uh, and you're running your best stuff to, uh, to beat man and you're going to put your best players out there for that. I can't wait till we get stick to the script later in the week and Malik's keys to the game brought to you by Nora whiskey and Norwhiskey.com, the premium American whiskey, Norwhiskey.com. stout up front as far as size and width, linebackers, big and fast, but somehow some way South Carolina, they just struggle against the run. And it's one of those conundrums, right? Cause you look at their size and you're like, man, they really should be pretty good against the run. And then you look at the stats and you look that they give up, what, second to last yards per rush in the SEC. And it almost doesn't make sense. And you say to yourself, hey, Notre Dame's going to have to take advantage of this rushing defense because you know, they rank 112th in the nation. And, yo, that's they're giving up five yards a pop left. That's – you know, the one thing that's interesting about, you know, stats like that is that SEC teams, especially the front seven, they play when they want to. They get up for games that are, you know, highly anticipated. They get up for games that are meaningful in terms of rivalries like Clemson or um, big games like Tennessee. So I do expect them to play above what the numbers are saying, especially for the run game. A lot of teams try to prove a lot against us for some reason. And so uh, I don't think that we can look at those numbers and and think that we'll get some of the same stuff off. I mean, Syracuse and Stanford both, well, Stanford specifically, uh, we should have 400 rushing yards on them. But they, like Alabama's D-line that night, held us under, what, 14 points. So, um, you know, some of those numbers can be misconstrued, but on a on – a, on a technical side and game planning side, you definitely want to be able to have your best runs in place to be able to gash them for when they get tired in the second half. Second half is when you really want to run the football and, and wear teams down. And I think the first half should be taking shots and completing those 
We'll get them to back up, and then we can wear them down second half of the run game. So right now, I mean, you know, I never really look at stats and numbers when you're playing against Notre Dame because they always play as like a Super Bowl team, <laughs> like every time. So numbers can be misleading when you're doing Notre Dame matchups. However, they do give up something. So I do think it's important that Tommy's scheme is best runs for us to go in there and take over. It's amazing because you talk about teams stepping up and always playing up to their best when it comes to Notre Dame. And it's something I fully expect from South Carolina, especially early on in this game against the run. You know, know, people always say that, you know, teams struggle, teams struggle, you know, to establish the run. You know, sometimes the other team has a good plan, especially when there's a layoff and they have time to prepare. Like South Carolina is going to have time to prepare as a team that struggled against the run. I expect them to be stout and aggressive early. So you have to find a way offensively to be able to allow your offensive line to take advantage and dominate the game in the second half. Because that's when you start to wear teams down. I think Notre Dame is something like 7-0 and when they control the clock for 30 or more minutes when they have possession for 30 or more minutes. If I'm not mistaken, it's either 7-0 or 6-1. That's the mark when they control the ball more than 30 minutes. So that's going to be key. Like, I don't care how you control and possess the ball, but that's going to work two ways. It's going to allow you to wear them down, score points, and then keep Spencer Rattler off the field. 100%. I mean, the best thing about Notre Dame, every matchup is that we have a pretty much – a better offensive line. So we're going to be in games 95% of the time, and especially we have an O-line that gets better as the games gets later in the in the time. So second half is where we really make our money. Mm-hmm. It's going to be uh, because of that offensive line, that front four, I mean that front five. And then, you know, one thing that we have special is a guy named Aldrich Estime that gets stronger as the game goes on too. So the more we get to – but it's all dependent. It's all dependent on us being able to successfully throw the football downfield first half, let those corner safeties and, and, and linebackers know that we're not afraid to throw the ball downfield and no matter who we got back there. But if we don't, it's going to be a, a large uh, order to be able to answer to if we become one-dimensional really early because this is not a game where – I want Tyler Buckner to be uh, leading the team in rushing. Uh, this is a this is a game where he can put himself in harm's way if he can't be a complete quarterback in a game like this. And if that's the case, I'm expecting to see a lot more Angeli too. Hmm. You think they just have special series for Angeli in this game? That he'll get yes. in in both halves. Yes, I think if it becomes a run first type of game where we're not connecting down the field and we can't win our one-on-ones. I expect to see Angeli in there doing some read options, some power quarterback runs, uh, just because he's a bigger prospect than Tyler. And you just don't want TB to be running that much. And if that's the game plan and what it turns into, mm-hmm. uh, there's no use of wearing Tyler out to potentially get him hurt. Uh, and when you have Angeli that is fresh legs, you know, it's nothing after this game. So – you're not really playing for uh, games after this, so why not throw a jelly in there? 
see how many yards he can get, get hit a couple times, you know, introduction to college football. Um, it'll be a good way to get him involved because I think after this year, well, after this game even, it's going to be back to the bottom of the, the barrel for getting reps. So if any time to really get tackled and be in the mix now, I think this game is going to be perfect for it, especially if we're not going to be successful uh, throwing the ball down the field. Well, throwing the ball downfield is something that we anticipate Notre Dame having the opportunity to get to early because, as you've said multiple times, you fully expect the South Carolina defense to be aggressive early. Oh, super. To be able to come at the ultra-aggressive with quarterbacks that don't have a lot of experience, even with Tyler Buckner having a half a season his freshman year and then just a few games in the sophomore year under his belt. He's back healthy, clean bill of health ready to go, but offensively, from a passing standpoint, you know you're going to get one-on-one shots. You talked about that. How do you open up the passing attack even more? Because A-gap duo has been the strength of this running game. When you have, you've handed the ball off to different styles of running backs, Greg Bryant, Adams, CJ Procise, just different runners, and they had different things that they needed to do, even Amir, you know, Carlisle for a little bit. Like, what does Tommy need to come with in the running game to give some diversity and different looks to South Carolina? Well, I think you, you got to mix it up and keep them on their toes. If they're loading the box, I'm looking to hit some outside runs with Chris Tyree and Logan Diggs. If we're inside and they're, and they're bringing the linebackers on the line, I'm looking to hit up in the middle. And so I think just being able to keep teams on their toes – which we've been able to do all year, even though they know we're running the football, still being able to be like, okay, well, we're going to run outside. We're going to run to the strength of our offensive line, which is the right side. I think a lot of it, too, is that when you have a really good up front offensive line, you, you're going to get three yards every time at least. Yeah. So whether you're going right, middle, or left, you're going to get a chance to get three yards because you're going to get a push. And that's where the benefit of winning the trench warfare is, is that sometimes – may not scheme everything right, but just the physicality alone is going to get you past the line of scrimmage, and then after that you rely on your talent with the running backs. But I do think it's important that we're not uh, being too obvious in where we're running. Maybe run some pistol with Tyler Butner, maybe uh, you know, throw some screens in there, some running back screens off of the play action. I think there's things that you can do to keep them guessing because I think if you just let – South Carolina's defensive line, just like any SEC defensive line, pin their ears back, is going to be a hard game to uh, to win for anybody, Shit, Man, I mean, you're saying something right there, Left. You're really saying that there's a lot of pressure on Tommy Reese to make sure that he puts Tyler Buckner and his offense in the right position, especially early in this game. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressure because you're dealing with a guy who hasn't played all year. You really don't know what he's comfortable with, especially you don't want to do what he did before, you know, <laughs> before he got hurt. So there's um, a particular caution that I think you're throwing some of that weight on Angeli uh, if you don't want to get too much away from what the strength of what the Tyler really has, which is running the football. Maybe share some of that load with Angeli. But more so than anything, you're looking to win the football game. And knowing the situation of what we're going into, 
I would expect them to send a lot of pressure and just have a plan for it and communicate with the quarterbacks to be able to uh, respond to a lot of pressure. And I think for a guy like Tyler Buckner to be too even killed sometimes, uh, seeing him being able to manage that will tell a lot about um, his progression and, and him standing up in that press box with Tommy and watching all season, see if he actually learns something and can apply it to the field. You know, it's a bowl game and you have a long layoff. Every team is going to have one or two trick plays in their back pocket. How how early do you go to one of those trick plays if you're Notre Dame? I'm going second half. I think first half has to be uh, really focused on getting guys into the swing of things, especially a quarterback. You don't want to be too cute too early because I think it just throws off the rhythm and the momentum of the offense, especially if we get the ball second and they score first and you running flea flickers and all type of cute stuff. So I think for a guy like Tyler, give him some some stuff he can get a foundation with. And in the second half, you can get cute depending on how the game is going. But it really has to be uh, your basic stuff, stuff that you know you can execute. It, it just means a lot when a guy hasn't played all season and you got to go win a football game and a ball game at that. And these extra practices are going to help. They're about 10 practices deep, 11 practices deep. So he's getting a rhythm. But, you know, nothing replaces that game speed. So I would be cautious to just be doing any and everything uh, early on. Lucky Lefty Podcast, Sean Davis, Malik Zayed, the Nora Boys. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lucky Lefty Pod. Go to the YouTube page. Leave your comments. Make sure you hit that notification bell. Most of all, subscribe and hit the like button. Great content dropping each and every day, whether it's a live show or a cut-up that we post later on in the day. That's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spent a different The climb to 5,000 is real. We eclipsed 3,000 this year, went far past our goal that we created at the start of 2022, and it's all because of you, LL Nation. We greatly appreciate you. We love you to death. You keep the chat lit each and every day, and it drives us to get up and talk Notre Dame football and college football the way we do. We greatly appreciate you. We talk about the challenge of the offense, and Tommy Reese actually met with the media yesterday, left, and you tell me what you think about what he had to say on getting the running game going versus South Carolina. Shoot, South Carolina, they're good on defense. Especially at the back end of the year, they really started playing well. And, um, they have a good front that um, you know, does enough up front where it causes some challenges. They got good backers that got the speed. Their secondary players are, are good against the run and are willing against the run. So we got our work cut out for us. But anytime you can run the ball, it helps take a little pressure off the quarterback. And um, obviously, it's something we've leaned on. And you know, we got to find ways to, to carve out a run game against a good defense. You see a lot of slants and twists from defensive fronts at the end of the season here. What have you guys learned about that to be able to sort of counteract that? Yeah, I mean, we saw it, um, you know, probably starting with Syracuse the most, you know, BYU a little bit. And, um, you know, I think schematically we kind of know what we can go operate against it and what's, you know, going to give us a challenge. And, you know, however we can put our players in a great position against all that stuff. Uh, see, I, I, I want you to jump in here because there's some things that troubled me about what he said specifically towards the end of that clip. But what, what did you think about the way he talked about the run game versus South Carolina? He sounded a little worried, you know, uh, worried that trying to find a way to run the football uh, when we've been running it all year, uh, I don't think too much changes from uh, what we're really good at 
And I think for a lot of reasons, he talked a lot about the run game, and it kind of threw me off a little bit because I was hoping he would have a little more uh, confidence in trying to uh, have explosive plays and trying guys down the field with some play action. But he gave a lot of credit to their defense, which we acknowledge. But I think a lot of it is going to come down to who's more physical in the secondary, in the receiver room, or uh, in, the, in that front seven. The offensive D-line, I think we have a good chance of uh, holding the fort down. But it's all those other positions. The DBs are good in the run game. Braden Lindsay, are you going to put a hand on somebody? <laughs> you know? uh, Tobias Mayweather, you get it, you're going to put a hand on somebody. So it's going to require all 11 guys to be physical, um, especially, you know, even in the quarterback runs, finish, finish falling forward. You know, you don't want to get too many highlighted hits on you because I think the one thing that South Carolina's defense is really good at, just like most SEC defenses, is having momentum. And the last thing you want to do is become one-dimensional against a team that plays well off of momentum. And finding ways to run is right. But being able to be confident that, you know, we can move them off the ball regardless. And I think speaking more life into that aspect uh, will give me more confidence that you're not going in there scratching your head being like, well, maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that. What bothered me a little bit towards the end of that clip left is he talked about you know, when he was asked about how teams have gone against and tried to confuse their running scheme by stunning and looping and doing all of that and being a little bit more active with the front four. And his answer was just like, yeah, we know what to do. You do? But it goes back to what you said. You know, this has to be a challenge, and I'm sure Harry Heastan is challenging the offensive line. Like, look, we can sit up here and talk X's and O's. Y'all going to have to go out here and move these people. That's, yeah. Man, go move go move them. Move them from the first and that's, what, and that's what we got to do. We got to move them. And I think a lot of it, too, is that you get those short answers because <laughs> that's what teams have tried to do. We've been moving a lot of people. So they, they responded by starting, by doing different things, shifting on the offensive line. And mm-hmm. these are things that are nuances, but it's it's still not going to win you the football game up front. And the more we practice those stunts and those and those techniques that they use to try to confuse the run game, us seeing it all season, I think will help us for the South Carolina game because it won't be new. But not playing for a while early on, just like it did with Oklahoma State. It may affect us in some ways, but we got to be able to counter that by being able to throw the football. Mm-hmm. And if we can't throw the football, then all these stunts and texts and all these things that they're doing up front and in the front seven is going to make it a long game for us in trying to find answers when it looks like chaos. If you can't settle them down by hitting a couple of deep shots and making them play straight up and, and, and foundation football, then all that stuff can be a lot for not only a quarterback, but for an offensive line that's so used to moving guys off the ball. If you got guys moving and stunting and all type of things, it's hard to keep up if you can't counteract it with explosive runs or explosive pass plays. Logan Diggs also met with the media left. He talked about Tyler Buckner and establishing that run game. 
But you know, I mean, this is what we sign up for. We sign up to play football. So at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's our job as an offense to protect him and you know to get him to take as least hits as possible. And most importantly, just you know go down. You know, it's not it's not he's not in a position to you know, take that many hits right now. What, what kind of opportunity do you feel like this is for the running game in this game? Uh, it's a big opportunity. Uh, we we sat down and we watched film and we dissected the defense and. Uh, I mean, they're a really, really good defense, but they give up a lot of yards on the ground. So we, we're really going to try to dial in on that and, you know, present the opportunity to, to continue to, to dominate at the line of scrimmage. Okay. Okay, Logan. All right. I, you know what I like that he said? He's like, y'all, we, yeah. Ain't none of that running Tyler this game. No, we gonna have, we're gonna have the most carries. Tyler's just gonna be protected. Sit back, make some throws, scramble if you have to. This is on us. It's not on Tyler. I love hearing that from Logan Diggs. And that's what you want from your running back. Give him the ball. You know, Tyler mm -hmm. needs to be sitting right there in the interview, be like, "You damn right. I'm I'm not running it. I'm handing it off." <laughs> and taking on that responsibility, I think, is something that Logan didn't get the opportunity to do in those first two games because he was still coming on from an injury. And I think yeah. circling back, he sees the benefit of having a guy like Tyler Buckner in there because it can take some of the run distraction away from him and maybe giving him a lighter box considering if Tyler carries out his fakes, he may get a guy to go with Tyler and that makes the box less, uh, less guys that be able to tackle you off the initial snap. But he's absolutely right. Logan Diggs, Audrey Estimate, Chris Tyree, we got enough guys in the backfield that's plenty capable enough of not having us to give the ball to our quarterback to run in the middle of the field. So I'm expecting a lot out of those guys, and I think they're expecting a lot out of themselves. And that, a lot of that comes from their relationship with Dina McCullum. I think they really like their running back coach. And when you got a good relationship with your running back coach, and, and the guys in that room, I think it's going to be a, a unit that's going to be tough to deal with, especially in a, in a game where we can hit you with Logan, we can hit you with Aldrin and Chris Tyree, and even Bugner. Bugner needs to be the ice on the cake, not the cake itself. So um, I think Logan made all the right things, said all the right things, and, and I hope Tommy heard it. You know something that is also going to be an advantage? You as an offensive coordinator, Luck, you think about what you can take advantage of when you're looking at teams, right? So, look, South Carolina, the last time they saw Tyler Buckner, he was heavily used in the running game. That's the film they have. That's the film they have from his freshman year. They don't know anything else. They're probably going to prepare, be prepared for that. The ends are going to be prepared for that. So they might not crash as much early down on the running game. The linebackers might be coming over the top to take him, right? Safety might be coming down. These are things that you can anticipate if you're Tommy Reese to say, okay, until we do some things and they make the adjustments, these are the things that Tyler Buckner, being in the backfield and being under center, is going to dictate to that defense. And this is the one, two, or three things that we can do to attack that early and take advantage in it, whether it's play action or giving the RPO action, setting off the tight end out to the you know, coming off of the end, just different things to tight end pop, different things you can do to take advantage of what they anticipate because of film and what's put out there by Tyler Buckner thus far. Yeah, South Carolina is probably heavily studying that Ohio State tape and how Ohio State played Tyler Buckner with 
uh, the different techniques of the read option that they defended. And I think for Tyler and even Tommy, you should be looking at that tape and being like, we're scrapping some of that because we want to be able to keep Tyler not only safe, but give him opportunities to expand his game. I think he's old enough to to not give these uh, control packages of we'll run right, left, and middle. And then, you know, if we get it, if we get it, and then if we don't, we don't. I think this is the opportunity to really build a game plan for Tyler Buckner to be able to say, okay, expect these plays against these looks in these situations. And not that they're not doing it, but I think sometimes Tommy takes the easy way out and, and overly trusting uh, Tyler's ability to just use his legs to get a first down instead of giving him a scheme to uh, make it easier for him to use his athletic ability. So uh, definitely South Carolina, I don't <laughs> – it's just hard for me to think that they're not going to pressure most of the game. And we just need to have a plan for it. And also having a plan for it requires guys to win their one-on-ones. And that's what this game is all about. Man, I hope he's been working on some quick screens to the wide receivers. I mean, if they're side gonna, adjustments and checks. like All of that. Yeah. Know. Especially if they're going to fill the box and pressure with through the box. Man, get it to your playmakers on the outside and let them make plays one-on-one because they're going to be one-on-one. Most of the game against the South Carolina defensive backfield. Lucky Lefty podcast. If I'm not mistaken, Logan Diggs also has some comments left about the offense and how they've improved in these practices. Has improved. Uh, I probably would say that we improved. Probably continue to stay together, you know, and, and this crazy time right now, you know, transfer portal is crazy and, you know, everybody having mixed emotions. Uh, be able to stay together and, you know, being this, being this as a team probably, probably be the most. And then now that you've had Coach McCullough for a full season, I guess, where has he kind of helped grow your game the most? Uh, he's kind of helped me just be more detailed and, you know, you know, taking my natural ability and and making me a better student of the game. So I, I probably say that my, my football IQ has improved a lot. So he said Dylan McCullough has improved the way he looks at the game, but also that the offense has gotten better simply by guys being locked in, like a Jared Patterson, you know, who's already gotten his invite, has already got his feedback from the NFL. Jared Patterson could have stepped away and said, I'm not playing, but he's there. He's playing. Of course, you lose Isaiah Foskey and, you know, you lose Michael Mayer, two key guys. But like we heard last week from some of the players, look, you step up. Like, we we got playmakers that can replace them. So they feel like they'll be fine. But, you know, it was funny that that's what he went to when he was asked about how the offense, how the offense has improved. It was like, because we're all here. That's... That's what's caused and, us to improve. Yeah, Tommy. I mean, Tyler's healthy. <laughs> so, 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 okay, now we can get back to what we thought we was going to enter the season with and everybody being here, everybody being on the same page. And, and that's what you get through experience. I think a lot of what Logan got was experience, being on the field a lot, getting more than one, one or two flash games, getting a season in. And for us to get better as the season goes on, shows that that togetherness is only getting stronger. And there's something that's special about Notre Dame, especially in that locker room. Guys are guys are generally pretty close, you know, from a locker room perspective. And that's what you need to have going into a long season is that 
a lot of things happen in the season where guys can break away and kind of get bored and with the monotony of everything. But like Logan said, being able to stick together and, and be a unit and progress together and all be healthy on the field at the same time. Yeah, you're going to see what we were expecting, what I was expecting early on in the season and beating a team like Ohio State early. Thought we was going to come out of camp uh, ready to roll. But I do think that for us to be able to uh, stick behind Marcus Freeman and keep following that vision throughout the season, even though it was eight and four, and then still feel good in the bowl game like you've gotten better through all of that, I think things are trending upwards, and we're going to see, hopefully, uh, the result of guys that stick together. Like, we're not going to – the moment's not going to be too big, even though we're missing uh, some of our key players we depend on this season. But we have depth. You know, one thing about Notre Dame, we got depth because we have great recruiting. And at a place like Notre Dame, you always going to have a guy somewhere. Yo, speaking of having guys, Tobias Merriweather back from concussion protocol – he makes his return out of his absence at the late, late part of the season. And uh, Tommy Reese was asked about him left. I'll give you the two words he said, and I'll let you take it from there. Oh, Tobias? Yeah. You know, he's back to a place where we trust him and we have a plan for him. How are you feeling about that, Left? <laughs> well, you didn't trust him early on. So I guess if this trusting was the defining factor for you to trust him now, for whatever reason, I don't know how I changed that fast. Then I think we should expect him to see him in there more. But now it comes down to is Tyler going to throw it to him? That's the question. I'm sure Tyler has his guys. You know, Lorenzo, I'm expecting Lorenzo to have his best game all season. So Lorenzo Styles would be one of your prop bets for this game. Top bet, Lorenzo Styles. And then my second would be probably Logan or running back. In some way, heck, Lorenzo Styles, y'all be the, the guy. That's why, dude. That the that prop bet for Lorenzo is probably good, dude. The yardage is probably only like 34, 35 yards that he has to get. <laughs> it's probably a really low yardage for that prop bet. I would probably look into that and probably take it if I was a Notre Dame fan. Heck, if I was just a South Carolina fan or a college football fan, that would probably be a pretty good bet to take because it's definitely someone that um, he's comfortable throwing the ball to as evidence by the way he started out against Ohio State. Third down, man, that's find your guys. And I think not having Michael Mayer will allow you to not feel pressed to be like, okay, I got to get him the ball. All right, I got Tobias out there, young guy that can make moves. I got Lorenzo, my guy. I got Jaden Thomas. I got Braden Lindsey. I still got weapons. But not having Michael Mayer, I think, takes some of the pressure off of, okay, I know why he's calling this play. He want me to throw it to him. So um, a little more freedom in the aspect that there's nobody outside of Michael Mayer yet this season to be like, okay, if we don't give it to Michael Mayer, we're giving it to this guy. So there's an opportunity for guys to really um, take that next step. Is who's going to be the dude? Every year we have a guy that's the dude, and right now everybody's in um, audition mode for who's going to be the guy to go to next year. If you're an OC and you lose Michael Mayer, what are you scrambling to? Like what just from a passing game standpoint, just knowing where Notre Dame was coming from, it was Drew Pine where you had to water things down. Now you get your starting quarterback back, but now your starting quarterback returns. Still less experienced than you would like. But he also talked about this 
when Tommy met with the media. He was asked about Tyler's comments when he met with the media last week and Tyler saying, look, the game has slowed down for me. And he was asked, does that help you out as a play caller, knowing that your quarterback is saying and feeling like that the game has slowed down for him? How does that go into how Tommy losing Michael Mayer might open things up? Because we didn't think Tommy was going to come out and throw the ball 50 times with Jack Cohn against Oklahoma State. Like he he threw every he threw everybody for a loop. I think him and I think him and Jack had an agreement before the game. He was gonna help him get to the league. Help so. him get to the league. He said, "I help you get to the league." But go ahead, I'll do you a favor. Scratch it back. Um, but I don't think that it happened this year just because Tyler's coming back. I think last year was special because Jack wasn't coming back, so it was like nothing to lose. I think with a guy like Tyler, you don't want to overly expose throwing the ball fifty times with a guy that. Hasn't played all season, but still, I think it's hard to even believe that you've gotten better not playing. I don't even think that's the case. So maybe that's just a little coach speak, a little player speak. But mentally, if you feel better about what you know about the offense, that's one thing. But still, all those decisions are made in two seconds, which you haven't had a chance to be able to do all season. So if I'm a quarterback, uh, coach, or offensive coordinator in this game, I want to be able to call plays, and I know for sure he's going to be able to have the time with his feet to hit on him and not have to go through too many reads uh, too early. So whether it's plays, it's like I know this curl is going to be open. I know this slant one-on-one backside is going to be there. I know we can take some some deep shots with the go ball. Those are some of the things that I think that if he called early on, Tyler can get his feet under him. Get his get his uh, timing right. I wouldn't throw too many um, timing outs with him. It'd be more. We're going. Please work. stay away from the outs. Please stay away stay, from the t- outs. Stay away from outs. <laughs> we stay away. We've seen from enough. Outs, we've seen enough pick sixes from Tyler yeah. Buckner in the outs. Like I'm, stay I'm away. Literally going down the field, go balls post, and and maybe a dig or two. And get some slants in there. Outside routes, I think, just take a while to, you know, really get a groove into. But if you can keep the ball in between the hashes and and, and give him passes where he can be a little less accurate but more uh, focused on explosive plays, I think that will help him a lot. Because if we're just trying to nickel and dime this team all the way down the field, that's not going to be a good strategy uh, to win with. So for us, I'm looking for explosive plays out of the play action. We only got two or three guys, maybe a deep post and a crossing route, um, stuff like that, that you and I can hit right now. You know, I wouldn't give them no uh, action, reaction, check down, progression, read this, this, and this, and this, only because, you know, I don't think you have enough time to do it this game. But for a guy that hasn't played all year, you don't want to crush him with a, a hard exam the first day. You know, you want to give him a cheat sheet. Uh, some easy flashcards, you know, hitting with a some basic stuff that you've ran even before you got hurt, things that we know we can rely on. But I think we shouldn't have a game where we're throwing it 50, 60 times because that will require you to be uh, super accurate all day, uh, reading everything all day. And that's just not uh, where I think Tyler is in his game right now compared to a fifth-year Jack Cohn, who's seen it all, done it all kind of thing. Give, a Tyler, give Tyler a guy the, 
the basic, the basic deep package, you know, the basic routes, the little two route, the little five route, you know, stuff like that. So um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they come out in. I think that first drive is going to be telling to what the game plan is, and we'll see how it goes from there. Yo, do you think that atmosphere that he walked into game one helps him with his bowl game? Uh, no, it's just been too hard. <laughs> mm, 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 good point. Good point. It's been 12 good games. Point. So it's probably feel like the first time in a lot mm. of cases for him. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a different feel when you're in the quarterback position running out there and starting a full game. Um, hopefully he's not looking over his shoulder for Angeli every other drive. Um, but it's it's not an easy thing to go out there either and be expected to win when, you know, you probably got a lot of questions yourself. Am I healthy enough? How's that first hit going to feel? How's the second half going to go? Are they going to adjust? Are they going to – maybe they run some stuff we haven't seen all year. You know, you get some of that in the bowl game. So I think uh, it's a lot on his plate, but for a guy to be – at Notre Dame for so long, I mean, there's only – I mean, we got guys coming in one year doing all right. So, I think for him, it's just time to get started, man. This is your audition team. Yeah, John Maxey, this is funny. He said <laughs> – John Massey, I'm sorry. I see you with the Take Care uh, avatar, the little Drake avatar there. That's, that's probably Drake's best album, by the way, Take Care. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, take Care is pretty solid. It's definitely top it's up, three. It's up there. It's up there. It's top three uh, for sure. John Massey said, I didn't think I'd see a slower quarterback than Jack Cohn. Then I saw Drew Pine run. Who who would win a 40 between Drew Pine and uh, Jack Cohn? They'd probably come at the top. Maybe Jack because he's taller, so he has longer strides. Longer strides. Like, so by the time he gets to a finish line, Jack will beat him by like a stride like this or like but they're both uh, not running in the Olympics anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. As you know, the chat has talked about it. Like, Tyler did come out in that game and go 10 for 10 to start the game against Ohio State. So, And uh, he'll feel more comfortable behind this offensive line than he was the first two weeks of the season. I, I, I figure that for a fact. I think he's probably gotten used to it, like being in practice and seeing how much better they are now. Uh, there will be a level of comfort. There will be a level of comfort for him. I'm not sure it will be equal or beneficial because of the Ohio State. I think just the fact that the offensive line has gotten to the point where they're playing so well, and I think they're going to play well against South Carolina, it, I think it's going to ease him into the game pretty well. Uh, I really do. I anticipate that. Yeah, this is not the number two team in the country that he started with. Right, right. So I think that the offensive line is going to give him a chance to get into the game in a, in, a, in a smoother way than it would be if we had the worst offensive line in the country. So yeah, I'm telling you, the offensive line is a, a really, really big piece to the success of not only the offense, but the success of the quarterback himself, especially coming out after not playing a whole season. It'll be interesting to see how he – responds to having time. He's going to have some time. He's going to have some time to push the ball down the field. But is he going to complete it? Is he going to feel comfortable in his technique to not overthink it mm -hmm. and be able to complete football passes? 
and and put the injury behind him in a sense. You know, you don't want him running scared or 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 whatever may have you, but he'll be a little rusty in the beginning. I mean, even Drew Pine was rusty in his first half against Cal of all teams. So <laughs> and that was rough to watch. And I don't yeah. think Tyler will put out the same, but he might have a little uh hiccups here and there in the beginning. Lucky Lucky Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Tap in right now. CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Go ahead. Leave five stars. We greatly appreciate it. Leave your comments. We respond to comments. We appreciate all comments. And we appreciate you. State of recruiting. What I got John Garcia Jr., which is going to be fantastic over the next couple of weeks with the All-American Bowl game and the Under Armour game coming up. He'll be there. He'll be joining us on the show during those prep weeks and giving us updates on how the Notre Dame guys are looking in practice. And then, you know, no one covers college football like us on CFB Nation. So tap in. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spin it different. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Now we look at the offensive matchup of Spencer Rattler and the Gamecock offense against Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish defense. Now, let me tell you the one thing that I wrote down in my notes left. I wrote down, because Caleb Williams was a challenge because you had to stay with the receivers because of his ability to move around and make plays off schedule, right? That was a challenge. Drake May was a challenge because they love to use him in the run game, and he's very accurate. Nice deep ball. He was a challenge. Spencer Rattler, you better not sit because this dude's arm is ridiculous. Like, this dude's going to throw the ball probably about five to ten yards further than anybody else you've seen this year. So just when you think, oh, he's not going to throw the ball, 
That's when he actually has the audacity to pull the trigger because he's a young man that truly believes in his talent. 100%. I think that uh, it, the talent level is going to be apparent early for our DBs, especially the fact that Spencer's going to try a lot of throws that they haven't seen throughout the season so far, maybe wide field throws. Mm-hmm. More shots down the field, more 50-50 balls on the go routes. And I think that that's going to give good practice to a, a secondary unit that I think is really good. They just – because they, they, they've gotten better throughout the season. But going against a quarterback like this is a great way to end the season to kind of sum up all of the progression that the secondary has had and the success and the things they've gone through has had going into the offseason and knowing – and having a great film base on what to work on going into the next season. Playing Spencer is the best thing that can happen for us because it's for our defense. It's like playing against a playoff quarterback. Mm-hmm. And for our young guys to get that experience early, especially going into next year, I think it'll only help us in how we develop. Yeah, I agree with that. And when you look at their offense, they put up 30 points per game. It's, you know, it's 41st in the nation. You know, 378 yards per game. The offense is really centered around the quarterback. They have some talented wide receivers. They The running game was okay, but, I mean, they're down the top two running backs from the transfer portal and from opting out for the NFL. So there's, you're looking at the third and fourth running backs being what Notre Dame is going to have to shut down. And Notre Dame gave up 138 yards per game on the ground, which we know they have to improve in that. Having Jason Adam Miola there, probably at about 90%. He probably won't be 100%, but having him there means a lot. Uh, Gabriel Rubio is somebody that's been mentioned in the practices. That's steady improving. And South Carolina, they lose their play caller. So that's another thing. Like, you know, you bring in a new play caller to come in from this bowl game. You have no tape. You have no tendencies on dial logins. And I'm sure the assistants will probably have more control and he'll just be an overseer and prep because I'm sure they don't want vast changes made to what they've done the entire year because they've really been a balanced offense running the ball 49% of the time. They, they ran the ball extremely well against Tennessee and Clemson down the stretch. So I don't know if they're going to be able to run it that well against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame, whether it's Drake May, early in the season, or any other potent offense, C.J. Stroud, first game, even Caleb Williams to a certain extent, they were able to put pressure on him, but they just weren't able to get him down, and that ended up hurting him and the inability to stop the run. But Notre Dame has done pretty well at not allowing these offenses and these really top-tier quarterbacks get to what they're used to in production offensively. And I see that pretty much holding true in the Gator Bowl. I think Al Golden with some time off and the defensive players that they have are going to be able to show up and show well. 100%. I think showing up and showing out is what we have to do. I think when when Marcus Freeman really wants to end the season with a win, no matter how we get it, (laughs) I think there's a lot of factors that play into a team where they've lost a lot of things and losing your offensive coordinator or your play caller it affects a lot of the quarterback position. Like you said, the 
the uh, assistants are probably going to be more involved, but that's those are assistants. They're not the, the actual play calls, so the relationship is going to be a little different. Um, and I think that will affect them, even our defense, uh, to a certain extent, just because we're not – we're watching a film of a guy who, who has a rhythm in what he calls and the things that he calls and sets up and how he leads into different plays and play actions and all that. Not having that, you kind of have a open canvas to what could possibly come out of those same plays. Mm-hmm. The rhythm and the timing and the, of, of different calls, it's, it's, a, it's a whole algorithm. So the algorithm is definitely different going into this game for a defense to be like, okay, third down, we was expecting this. <laughs> but are we going to see something different of a call? Not a, a different play, but a play that's usually called on second is called on third. Yeah. Or first is used on third or third used on second. So the flow in which the game is called will be a lot different for a guy like Al Golden, who's probably, you know, watching film used to the way that the offense coordinator used to call the plays for South Carolina. So I think it's just going to go uh, into a different um, – probably a lot more basic uh, game plan from a defensive perspective. We're just going to play straight up, keep things in front of us. We're not going to do too much fancy stuff just because we want to be able to, especially the first half, to see how they're going to call the game. Second half, we're going to jump into possibly some safety blitzes. You know, we can't can't stay away from those too long. But I know we'll have uh, probably a more aggressive second half. But the first half, we're trying to figure out how they're going to call the game, what style they're going to go with, considering they don't have their whole seat. And with that, I think it will be good for our young players to get in there that first half and play carefree. You know, they're not overthinking uh, yeah. the calls that were made this week. They're like, all right, it's cover four, cover four. Fuck it, just <laughs> play my little curl flat and make a tackle. So I think for those young linebackers to get that type of play is – is, is really good for them, especially in the bowl game where they're really coming out. But then second half, I would like to see the sparks fly a little bit more, us get a little bit more aggressive. Hopefully keep the first the first half closer in points to where we can get a little bit more creative second half. But I do think that uh, for the young guys, this is the best, this is the best position to be in. You're not going against a guy who uh, has been calling the plays all season. So he's not going to particularly be picking on, you know, one or two players with the plays. This is yeah. a general, you know, spring game type of field where we're going to run some basic stuff on both sides, fill each other out, and then get into it more in the second half. But offensively, I know we're getting pressure. So that's something that we can prepare for when the game was announced. Defensively, you know that Spencer Riley is going to put that football. So you want to be able to have great basic coverage of man, you know, run your cover too right, run your quarters good, keep things in front of you because if he starts taking the top off, we're making it easy for them considering they don't have the offensive play caller. So they would love to get a bunch of explosive plays and just call it a day. We have a bunch of five five play drives because we just hitting them yeah. over the head. That's yeah. easy. Yeah. Make and them, they, 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 call, they, they, make them the call stats. a lot in the drive. Yeah. You know, stress them out. You know, don't allow them to just make it look too easy. Not saying that we, we're going – I mean, you can give up a lot of yards, but we don't want it to be drives where they're going three plays, five plays in the score, ten, uh, eight plays. It should be nine-play drive, 12-play drives where they squeezing out points. 
And I think that'll be a lot more beneficial for us because when you don't have your offense coordinator there, you got to keep that up. Yeah. You putting 10, 12 play drives together and you're not the OC all year, it's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to do. So yeah. I think the longer we can extend their drives, the more success we'll have on defense. But if we're not doing the basic stuff like covering guys one-on-one down the field and we're making uh, Spencer Rattler's job a lot easier because he's like, I ain't got to be out here long. I'm just hand off, hand off, throw it deep. Then it's going to be a game. To, uh, it's probably going to go down to the wire. You know, Spencer Rattler, without question, is the best quarterback in this game, without question. <laughs> but he has a lot more. He has a lot, he has a lot more pressure on his shoulders than Tyler Buckner or Steve Angeli. Like he, he is yes. the offense in this game. He has to yes. not only be the best quarterback, he has to be the best player on the field in this matchup. And the stats bear out what you just said, Left 8.4 yards per play in the passing game. Spencer Rattler's not trying to dink, dink and dunk <laughs> you down the field. Right? 38% third down percentage. Yeah. 64th in the nation. Like, they're not trying to get to the sticks and turn around. They're trying to take big chunks and get down the field and put up points like they were able to do when they were hot against Tennessee and South Carolina. So, look, like I said, the defensive backfield is going to be challenged. It's going to be challenged, and they need to step up to the challenge and meet the challenge when it comes to Spencer Rattler and his defense. I mean, his uh, Gamecock offense. And then guys like Howard Cross, Jason Adamiola, Justin Adamiola, Riley Mills, everybody that's going to play in that defensive front. Ring his bell. Get to yeah, him. Move his feet. Didn't get, didn't get Caleb on the ground, but Spencer is not Caleb. So, yeah, he's not. We get yeah. home. We got to get home. Get home. If you move his feet, look, just in general, he's going to give you opportunities to turn the ball over. Notre Dame has three multi-turnover games. That's it. They only have three all season. So they're going to get plenty of opportunities. To he'll get opportunities. You know, he's gonna, he gonna give us some chances now. No, he's gonna throw it up for you. He's gonna throw it up for you. And we'll see if the Notre Dame defense is able to take advantage. Lucky Lefty Podcast. So Tariq Bracey, he met with the media and he talked about facing Spencer Rattler. Little third quarterback, got a strong arm. He makes a lot of plays for South Carolina. So, you know, it's gonna be a big, a big test for us. You know, we play a lot of good quarterbacks in this season so just another, another quarterback we have to prepare for is he a coach he? He, he talks so much like a, a coach oh, he's just like eh. yo he's a rat he, he's definitely a film rat he's definitely a film rat and i'm glad you brought that up because this is him <laughs> talking about the young dbs stepping up and helping out that secondary in the absence of cam hart and not only that who's going to replace him in a slot next season. Listen to this. This is pretty good stuff from Tariq Bracey. Uh, young guys like Jaden Mickey, Chance Tucker, you know, they've been, safe, been able to step up and, you know, they're going to be a big part in this win um, this Friday. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, it's just Ramon's been playing a lot at it. Um, Clarence Lewis, they've been able to do a good job. So, I mean, the advice I give them is just watch a lot of film. You got to stay in the field room, especially playing slot corner, playing that nickel position. It's too hard not to just watch film and be able to, you know, get a little tendency on what receivers like to do in the slot. Told you. Film junkie, bro. Yeah. 
Film junkie. Yeah, I love to read Bracey's uh the what do you call it uh uh uh, uh his demeanor. Love his demeanor. He just like yeah, you know, you film you a film guy. He's not gonna be a long winded individual in uh, interviews. He's just gonna be yeah. like you know, that's what we gotta do. You gotta stay in there, and if you do the good things that happen. So I like that type of personality for a slot corner because he doesn't look like the type of guy to get too low or too high. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> stay in his stay in his grind mode and uh and produce and I think uh, having that as a leader and an example is something that's really good for those young guys like Ramon Henderson. I'm not Ramon, but Jay Mickey and Chance Tucker to see and be like, okay, Tariq Bracey's OG. Yeah, you know he's OG and he he gave me some good games that I can take and and build on top of it and and really uh, especially for a guy like Jay Mickey who. Started with a lot of confidence, got shaken up a little bit because he was playing a little bit out of position. But I think having Tariq there, uh, kind of getting him uh, in the mode of playing both slot corner and outside corner, will only make his game better. So I think it's uh, attributed to the maturity that we have on that on that defense side. You know, Cam coming back, uh, Tariq Bracey being there. That and Brandon Joseph being back there that really helped inspire these young guys to uh, know how to get better. And I think a lot of times when you don't have programs that develop guys or have a lot of senior leadership, younger guys don't know how to get better because they only, mm-hmm. you know, look at their coaches, you know, and they try to figure it out as they go. Having a guy like Tweet Bracey there that can really tell them the real and has been there and done that, uh, I think it'll help accelerate. Their development going into next year, you'll see Jaden Mickey and Chance Tucker be much more ready uh, to play that slot corner and outside. Man, he talked about the names that he mentioned, Chance Tucker, Jaden Mickey. You know, we'll get to that because Al Golden, he had about three or four guys he mentioned when it comes to (laughs) watching the young guys in this game. But who's the guy that everybody wants to watch on defense on Friday? You already know who it is left. You already know who it is. It's that dude that's from South Carolina, Al Golden. What about Jalen Sneed? What about Jalen Sneed? Maybe on. You know, he's been really focused and uh, growing off the field, really. Um, He's had the skills on the field, but the preparation has been better, and uh, certainly that's continued into the bowl practice and and, and gone up a level. You mentioned recently the time he spends with Laurinaitis, maybe being able to pick his brain. How much time do they get together, and what are the things that James... A bunch. You know, James does an unbelievable job with the group, and uh, both from a tactical standpoint, but also from an experiential standpoint. You're really helping those guys, and uh, Jalen, I think, has benefited from that relationship a lot. So, uh, now we're excited about Jalen. He'll, he'll have a great opportunity in this game. Yo, Notre Dame went from a bowl practice to running a, a kid's camp <laughs> in the background there. You know, it's, it's bowl activities. You always do something odd in the bowl week, like just a field time because they don't want to give you too much free time to just roam around and shit. So you got to do <laughs> Probably take the kids shopping or something, you know. But it's interesting that he said Jalen has gotten better off the field. And that's the most important part of his improvement as a player. You love to hear that. You know, buy in off the field because guys always try to do it on the field physically. But understanding that his improvement was going to come because I think Jalen Sneed has full confidence in his physical abilities. Like he has no doubt physically who he is and what he can do. And to hear that he's fully bought in. He definitely dropped the hammer. 
Yeah, facts. He definitely Facts. dropped the hammer like he's like he knows he's confident in his ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you can see a guy that's not afraid to hit, you know he's going to be better in the long run because all that other stuff will come with experience. But as long as you got a linebacker that's not afraid to put his nose in there, like a Prince Collins, I think those two with a Nolan Ziggler and a Tula Lamaka, and oh, it's going to look crazy next year. So I'm super excited to see a Jalen Sneak go in there and mix it up. I know he's been putting in the work off the field, but all the getting better off the field stuff, it's just kind of like, all right, whatever, whatever. I really want to see how that translates when things are happening fast because all that knowledge of things and getting better comes through dissertations and these long-winded explanations on what to do, what it looks like, all this stuff. But in the game, these are two-second plays. So you've taken a 30-minute dissertation, a 30-minute master class in this blitz package and got to translate it in a doing it in two to three seconds. So that's the real getting better that you would want to see. And if, if, if you feel like you've gotten a better understanding, how does it translate? I want to see how it translates. Tyler Bogan talk about he's getting better standing in the press box. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. He may be able to explain things to you a lot better. He may be able to be like, Sean, we got this concept where you do this, this, and this. And then if that happens, you got this, this, and this you're going to respond to. And then this, this, and this. But in the game, it's set hype and it's over. So I really want to see how Tyler has taken the, the understanding and, and condensed it into being able to react and fire quickly uh, in those two or three seconds that a play happens. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Let's get to Al Golden. This is just count the list of young guys he, glo- he glows about right here. You see from Prince and Jada Mickey. Again, Mick's been practicing really well. Uh, made a couple plays on the ball today, which were that was fun to see. Um, look, it was just fun to see him play with confidence, you know, play with a little swagger and, and be confident. And, uh, and PK is doing good. You know, PK has been steady for us. So uh, I'm excited about PK and, and his development for sure. Yeah, he's doing a good job. Uh, he's just got to keep getting better. And um, I'm really excited about him. You know, just long, long term, you know, um, a couple things he needs to improve on. But. He's rugged. He'll run to the ball. He's physical. Um, he'll lay heavy at the end. I apologize for the music, but we're good. <laughs> Look, I don't know what they had going on with that kids' camp towards the end with the coaches. They had a DJ, <laughs> kids running around the field. It, yeah, it was absolutely insane. But he mentioned Rubio. He mentioned Junior. He mentioned Jaden Mickey. He mentioned Jalen. Uh, and, and Prince Collie, like five guys. Like, you love to hear that. We know, we know P- PK is going to be a dude, right? Jalen Sneed, like, we feel that way. We just want to see it. We want to see it at more volume on the field. Gabriel Rubio has gotten reps. I think Gabriel Rubio is going to take an even greater step next year because of the experience that yeah. he's gotten this year, right? Yeah. Which, which, once again, Right? What has this staff done? They've recognized certain things and they've taken the risk. What was the risk? Shortening the reps of Jacob Lacey. That caused him to transfer, but it gave Gabriel Rubio, your youngster, an opportunity 
to get reps. He's that 300-pound guy that you're going to need next year. He's all, he's 300, and he's probably going to get bigger, and he's going to be stronger and a much better player. You're going to need him with Jason Adamiola leaving and with the other youngsters coming. These are the decisions when they said they were monitoring the roster and monitoring the middle of the roster the entire season. These are the decisions that are long-term that you might not like when it happens in the short term, but you start to see the benefit when you hear Al Golden talking about how much better he's getting as well. Yeah, 100%. And, and hearing all those young guys lets, lets me know that these are guys that are going to make plays. These are impact players that are valuable to a defense that especially Al Golden is in command of. And for him to have that many guys he's mentioning – is meaning that all these guys are making plays in practice. These guys are, are putting in the work and are very much worth um, the recruitment that went into them. And usually when coaches are talking about players, it's one or two guys. I'll go name five and probably can name more if you ask me more questions. So to show you where the direction of these young guys are going. And like you said, tough decisions had to be made during the season, shortening Jacob Lacey's reps to get a guy prepared that's a – that I'm not going to say a better fit, but it's much more needed in, in terms of a weight issue up mm-hmm. front. We need a big, big uglies up front. You know, the mm-hmm. whole small Sheldon Day type of D linemen are great, but you don't need a whole team of them. <laughs> I think Jacob Lacey kind of got wedged out in the sense of a fit standpoint where, yeah, we know you're a good player, but the the, the fit is not what we're trying to build to. And for you to be a good player, we don't want to hold you back by not playing you because of what we want to do in the scheme-wise. So where he ended up landing in Oklahoma is great because they don't have mm-hmm. no big uglies like that over there. That's Oklahoma's never good. But for us to be <laughs> able to make a decision like that and still be able to get guys ready to play in, in, in the back end of it is much more beneficial right now because Gabriel Rubio is ready to go. Mm-hmm. He's ready to go. And next year, like you said, the bigger impact is going to come from him because he's been able to get those reps this year. Not and then wait to the end of the year. No, he said, we can make the change now, and that's what I can appreciate about Marcus Freeman is that he's not wasting time making tough decisions. He's going to make the decision. Okay, I know you want to commit, but we're we're not going to honor that. <laughs> he's not going to wait till the kid go home and he call up everybody in the city to congratulate him. He's going to tell him right at the camp, hey, my bad, dog. We're just moving a different direction. When he was naming a quarterback, he didn't take to the day before the game to say, he said, hey, this is our guy. We're going with him, and we got some weeks to prepare. And I think Marcus Freeman staying aggressive on making head coaching decisions, not decisions that anybody on the team can make, but the head coaching decisions. All right, we're going to sit, Jacob. We're going to get our young guys going. That's a head coach decision that it may not seem right in the time, but the the reasons of why it happened become greater later, and we get to see that with Gabriel Rubio. Absolutely. Lucky Lefty Podcast, as always. We thank you guys for making this the fastest growing Notre Dame podcast, man. That's right. It's, all, it's because of you, LL Nation, Notre Dame fans. Um, we appreciate you so very much. You encourage us and give us the energy to get up and talk Notre Dame football each and every day. Podcasts available. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation, and Conjunction Irish Breakdown. You already know. 
Lucky Lefty Podcast, the Adore Boys. We spin it different. A few questions and a super chat. Uh, let's see. We talked to David Littlefield. Heck, he should be there by now. He said he was an hour out. John Massey says, Malik, I'm curious. What do you think of the slow mesh offense? I'm surprised more teams aren't trying it. If it's that effective for Wake Forest, wouldn't it even wouldn't it be even better if you had the talent advantage also? I mean, we can pretty much run a variety of different schemes. I think it's a good scheme. Stanford killed us with it. Well, I'm not going to say Stanford killed us with it. Stanford ran it and just stuck with it. So <laughs> I don't know if it's a, a way of life that we want to be able to go with. I don't think the slow mesh is what he stand wants for his offensive line. Absolutely not. <laughs> and from that alone, I don't think we'll ever go to the slow mesh because I really believe he still loves working combinations, loves getting his guys up to the second level, creating holes and, and moving his lineman's feet um, in, in, in combination blocks and in, in doubles, triple singles, and then, uh, you know, A block, B block, C block kind of things. So I don't think we'll do it because of he stand, but I do think, you know, just like any scheme, if you are consistent with it, you have a reps at it like a Navy offense. Like, come on, we can run Navy's offense with all the talent in the world. Right. They right. look better than Navy. Right. But I don't think that's the that's the offense that we want to roll out with, even though if we did, we'll probably still be successful with it the same. So it's just a matter of choice. Hey, they have the talent right now to run the Lou Holtz offense. With Tyler Buckner at quarterback and run the option offense, they and the three running backs. Heck yeah, they could run that system right now. I wouldn't recommend it. Harry Heastan might not like it, but hey, yeah, that's Tommy what we tell TV. TV start looking up all Tony Rice highlights. Don't look at Brady. Don't look at Jimmy. Look at Tony Rice. John <laughs> Massey said, "It's gonna help you the most." What's your favorite Drake album? Probably, uh, I really like CLB, but maybe uh, Views. Hey, bro. I mean, honestly, I think I like Views. Views was, views was I. I like Views because it gave me a lot and a different flavor to Drake. But CLB might be my my favorite right now because I'm still listening to it. Yo, let me tell you something. I'm I'm out shopping with my daughter, you know, and we, you know, my daughter's like deeply entrenched in like the hop, bro. Like I was teaching her when she was in the baby seat back in the day. <laughs> like I got her roots run deep. But you know, she keeps me on that new flavor. Yeah, I really, I never really paid attention. I think I gave Certified Lover Boy like one listen through, and it wasn't even a serious listen through. So Certified we're coming back, we're coming back from the mall, and she's like, "Dad, man, go to CLB and play Pipe Down." I said, "What?" She said, "Go to CLB and play Pipe Down." I said, "All right, yo." I put the track on and I was like, okay, I missed this one. Yeah, I slept on this one. I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, this 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 might end up being one of my top 10 Drake joints. 
And and that's not even the top song on that album. That wouldn't even be the first three songs I would say off the album. That's no, see, I'm not. Album. See, well, see, that's the thing. I'm never that dude. Like, I'm never the dude that's going to listen to the top three joints. I go find that B-side joint that nobody <laughs> really rocks with. So you find, the, you find the, the, the non-commercial vibe of the album. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my daughter. She does the same thing. That's why she was like, no, nah, Dad, play that pipe down. I was but like, That's okay. a great song, though. Yeah. It was right on, it was it, right it, on my it album. Never, it would never be a top three song to anybody on the album. But it's a song that is really good, too, though. Like, like you said, yeah. it's that undercover, uh, not, uh, what does it say, honorable mention type of top song. Facts. Thanks. Jason Hewlett, thank you for the super chat. Luck, when you make the staff, can your boy get a sideline pass? I'm just saying luck for OC. Man, hey, you've been, you been consistent all the time. You definitely got a spot with me. If I'm going, you're going. <laughs> yeah, Kendrick over Drake, I'm just saying luck for OC. Man, Kendrick done turned to some Hebrew Israelite. I don't want to hear that music all day. You know, give me some Jay of that. Jay Henry said, "Take care by a mile." I, I agree with you, Jay Henry. By a mile. If you listen yeah, to "Take Care" right now, you'll think that album's outdated. No, nah, you're bugging. You'll be bugging. like, "This ain't even. This don't even sound like Drake." All that singing and <laughs> My man said, "Drake is the Ariana Grande of dudes." I don't even know what way you trying to take that. What does that even mean? I have no idea. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, man. Thank you, fans, for giving us another great show, another great chat. We'll be back tomorrow with Stick to the Script and Malik's Three Keys to Victory for the Gator Bowl. But all right, now you already know what time it is. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. A left, you know, I actually stayed up last night, watched a bowl game, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin. Shout out to Jim Leonard on getting the bowl win before he leaves Wisconsin. That's the D.C., excuse me. But, uh, yeah, Mike Gundy. Um, post game, I'm gonna throw the media once again on the petty train because they just don't get it. Left, they they just don't get it. With the portal now, staff changes happened earlier and earlier in the year. Um, we haven't made any tier staff yet to anticipate that happening between now and now. I can't. I, I'm, you're, you're moving the mind. So staff changes are starting to happen earlier and earlier now with the portal um, being a thing. Do you, do you anticipate making making any changes to your staff between now and next season? Do you think I would have, tell you if I was making staff changes? No, but I have well, Then why would you ask? Because well, I have to. It's my job. Okay, well, I might have to cut you out. I mean, don't be an ass. Really? 
I mean, those, those people's lives, man. It's people's families, right? Okay, don't mess with people's families. Let's do this the right way. You with me on this? It's not fair to people's families, man. Right, that will conclude our press and I'm not mad about the game. I just don't like ignorance. Coach Gundy, I couldn't agree with you more. Look, I came from the media. That whole, this is my job, I have to, that's bull crap. You're like any other person. You have a choice to make on whether or not that question is appropriate and whether or not you should ask it at the appropriate time and whether or not that is the appropriate time. You're not different because you have a media badge. That doesn't give you a free pass to just say, it's my job. No. The arrogance of the media is at an all-time high. And he's absolutely right. Why would you ask me immediately after a bowl game if I'm going to make staff changes with these two athletes sitting on either side of me? What are we talking about? Look at the young men. Even his players were looking at the dude like, dude, what are you talking about right now? And then for him to say, oh, I have to ask the question. No, you don't. No, you don't. When Mike Gundy says, do you think I'm going to tell you that? No. Then why are you asking the question? <laughs> why are you asking the question? If you can answer no to what Mike Gundy asked you, why are you asking the question? It's the revision. It's the man. The nerd is taking over the, uh, this media space, man. He, they give his confidence. In journalism, where they they feel like okay, if you don't answer it, then I have the right to write something crazy about you later. It's like oh a, it's like these journalists want to hold these guys hostage for not answering crazy questions, knowing that y'all just trying to make news with the question. And then they're gonna try to make him out to be the villain today. I of guarantee course. you. Of course, because that's guarantee the power of the media. They can just keep writing stories all day. <laughs> Yo, you know who you're dealing with. You cover him. You're a beat reporter. Now you just played yourself because he said, I'm going to have to cut you out. Now no you more tidbits for you. Now you're not going to get the tidbits. For what? An article that you can write two weeks from now. Because guess what? The bowl game is over. The season is over. You'll find out about the changes in the days after. All you have to do is be patient and wait. But no, you want it to be first. And that's the problem. You want it to be first. The problem. You want it to be first. So? I wonder if he even thought the guy was going to answer it before he asked the question. What kind of question is that? Before you, right after the loss. Now, if it was a win, okay, I, you know, you know, people feeling good, they might but in a loss, the first thing you ask him is something like that. And it has he nothing to believe. do. He didn't believe. Dude, it was a terrible question. Yeah. And a badly timed question. I worked in the media, in the Chicago market. I covered the Chicago Bulls. I was in their locker rooms with Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and all of that stuff that was happening. That was a horrible question. It was horrible. Who cares whether or not they lost the game? It's a horrible question. 
That's horrible. That's why when he was asked, do you think I'm going to tell you that? That's why he answered no. Now, what the heck are you asking a question for? Because you're trying to be first. Put the New York Knicks on the petty train too, left. Yeah, Nine let point Luka lead with look 33 like, seconds. Yeah, let man Luka look like a freaking superstar. What the heck? This man, nine-point lead with 33 seconds. Man, put Tibbs, R- Randall, everybody. Petty train. Goofies. It's crazy. It's still, it's still though, the New York Knicks. Just because their record is a little bit better, they still the Knicks. Hey, I know my boy Donnie Cruz is going to watch the show. I'm sorry, Donnie. Your boys, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, <laughs> lucky lefty podcast, man. Great show, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow, Malik's three keys stick to the script, it'll tell you how to attack this game cock defense from snap number one, only right here. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Have a great Wednesday, but most of all, you have to make sure that you spin it. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com